Thanks for Cameron. Strap yourself in. Stengel to Koning. Out the back. Cameron one-on-one -on -one with Howe. Big contest coming up. Jess has got five. He's got five. To half forward. Puff got a hand on. Make it Stengel to Koning. His close kicks. Is it level? It's level at the MCG. Dalhouse going to get around Quainer. Jeremy Cameron's going to get it. Jeremy Cameron for goal number six. He's got six. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between, welcome to a jubilant episode of the Chats Chat Cats. My name is Jake Botel and I'm joined in the virtual Zoom studios by Sambo and Johnny. Goosebump stuff there. How are you, chaps? Yeah, still uh, recovering from that <clears throat> glorious victory. Yeah. Still, still recovering, John. Now, I thought the doctor's orders were to stay away from the plonk at the moment. What's <laughs> what's all this recovery about? <laughs> um, my body is still draining itself of the uh, adrenaline. Oh, the adrenaline. Pulsing <laughs> through my body. Uh, through yeah, that the adrenaline plonk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, coursing through my veins and it's still there. And then that uh, video, audio clip. You've, you've confused your words again, John. Adrenaline is it, the adrenaline is not heroin. They're not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just the, just the pulsating through my veins. Thinking as on um, what Meju used to say about when he was um, heading down that path, mm, that yes. he's all clean. Uh, true, true. It's, it, we thought it was we thought it was Meju with the podcasting fame and and the the associated heroin uh, <laughs> problems, right. but it's. It's John. <laughs> Absolutely. Sambo. The, doc the doctor said, stay away from alcohol. And John said, fine. Horse okay. it is. <laughs> Sambo, you messaged and said that you were quietly fist pumping while you were rocking a baby to sleep as the cats mounted that comeback. How The footy experience sounds Well, I was different. listening to Huey Lewis in the news at the time. So. <laughs> I feel like... Um, um, this is the yeah. second time you've sent a message saying you were quietly celebrating after a, a fantastic the, goal. The, the last, the last big one, the last big one. Trigger warning, Bulldogs fans. Jack, both of you. Um, <laughs> the, the the last. Uh, the Gary Rowan got up this song. Very quiet lap around the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Sam's getting emotional. It's, well, it's Gary Rowan. It's Gary Rowan, yes. and that makes I can, sense. I can, you guys, you guys were listening. You, no, no, you guys were, were listening really to my story. You just weren't. You just weren't. <laughs> so, it's um, the the Gary Rowan run. I remember. I remember Sam saying he was taken off on quiet laps around the kitchen. Um, me, and, me and Jake, on the other hand, we were not so quiet. We were uh, yelling and screaming in. The old um, lounge room of my old rental. Yes. On, on like the... That was the loudest I've been in a while for a for a, for a cats for a cats game. Um, this one, totally nuts, Johnny. Totally nuts, um, Sambo. We we like what a crazy night. We're gonna crack into it. We need to crack into it. Um, the cats went to the MCG to take on the Magpies, the high-flying Magpies, um, who had won both their opening games to sit equal first. The Cats had an off night last Friday against a high-flying Swans team. 
And that shaky form continued for the majority of the opening three quarters on Saturday night against a buzzing Magpies side. The Pies were everywhere in the first quarter, but couldn't take their chances, booting a wasteful three goals seven to Geelong's two goals three. The second quarter, much of the same. The Pies able to add just one four, and Geelong actually kicking three straight to end the first half with a 40 to 35 advantage. Collingwood came out breathing fire in the third term, tore the Cats apart to the tune of nine goals one to Geelong's three two. The Magpies carrying a 30-point lead with them at the final change of ends. And it looked pretty dire at that point. Um, we sort of messaged and said, oh, you know, bit shit for, for Selwood's, um, you know, 227th game as captain breaking Kernahan's record. You know, what do we want to see in the last quarter? We just like to see them stick to their process, keep trying to link up and see what happens. Um, and uh, there was a rush. So, yeah, that's right. 10 goals. What was your text message, Sam, that you sent to us? I was trying to think back. Um, do you have it on hand? Oh, yes. Um, well, I can, I can, I can certainly, um, paraphrase it. Remember the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember the exact wording. I should have had that ready because it would have been a, um, I felt like it was, uh, it summed up my feelings. Mm. I'd summed up my feelings before the end of the game. <laughs> Um, and basically, it was in, it was around late in the second quarter. I think it was it, we we yeah. pegged we pegged a couple, but we just couldn't get two in a row. It was a pretty um, uh, quite an arm wrestle. Um, and this is before, mind you, before the pies had piled on the uh, <laughs> their absolute onslaught. And I me- and I messaged you. I don't mean this in a cynical who we can't win it kind of way. But I'll be really impressed if we come we come back tonight. Uh, if we can if we can win this, um, yeah. And I sort of said, not I don't think not to say we can't win it, but just looking at how the pies look and the kind of game we're looking at. If we can win this, I think it speaks volumes to where where our sides at this year with the new game style and where their heads at and where their intentions are at. And um, yeah, now after having seen another half of football, uh, I can say that that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's absolutely right. The, the Cats, they could never find rhythm last week against the Swans, though they kept trying. Against the Pies, it all came together in a rush in the final quarter. The Cats ran riot, where nothing had gone right all night. Suddenly, they were winning every 50-50 ball. Every possession was clean and swift. Every mark was unbreakable. All generations of this Geelong Cats side stood up, carving Collingwood up all around the ground, and feeding a ravenous forward line. All told, the resurgent Cats piled on seven goals, two to one behind in the last term to run out 13-point winners on the same night that Joel Salwood broke that record to become the highest-capped captain in AFL history. Uh, Sambo, you weren't here last week for the recap, so I'll give you first crack at it tonight. Uh, Quite a night. Where do you want to start with your thoughts? Um, well, I got a lot of things, but I, I guess just sort of leading on from that, leading on from the, the, uh, the text message I sent you guys that, you know, where we play things pretty positive here and we, in, in the, uh, in the chaps and we, we stick to our guns and stick to the positive angles as much as possible. But it was a game that just felt like it was Collingwood's to win, that it was, it was, it was sort of, 
playing into their younger side, but they're probably, you know, um, we're probably a little more used to seeing them play this kind of style. Um, and it just, everything just seemed to be going the, going their way. Like the, the momentum was their way. Uh, their way. Um, composure was their way. They sort of had everything. Um, and I, I would say that for three quarters, not just that third quarter. I, I'd say that we were, you know, I don't think we did much in the third quarter markedly worse than we did in the first and second. Um, I think they were just a lot more proficient in front of goal in that third quarter. They got their eye in. Um, so I think for three quarters of that game, Collingwood just looked really, really over us. And the positive out of that is how hard the lads fought, how, how much they didn't get, let it get, get on top of them. They didn't get down in the dumps. Um, there were some players that weren't playing their best. And even that is a positive because they were able to turn it around. Even guns like Parfit, I think we said during the game, we felt like he was, he was not quite there. He didn't seem to be himself. His, his, you know, his, his head didn't seem to be quite in it. Uh, and his body was following suit. Um, but he, he really he really lifted. So I think that's just, you know, it's a long-winded one point. But the, the one point I will start by making is just that it's a even if we had have lost it, when we made that bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter, I, I sort of was, was prepared to say, hey, we lost, but there were some really good signs with how we were able to turn that around. Um, so, I, yeah, I think our fight and our, our belief and just the evidence this game provided that we're here to, we're here for this shit. We're here to win it. We're not, we're not here just to, to be most improved. (laughs) What about you, Johnny? What are your sort of initial takeaways to add onto that? Um, First I'll start off with a a little quote from the um, Hobbit from Gandalf the Grey from the Battle of the Five Armies. and oh, that, I had that on my that. bingo card. I thought, you know what? John's going to quote the Hobbit tonight, for sure. Like... <laughs> 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 my, uh, yeah, I was seeing it during that last quarter when they were all playing at their super best and they're sort of like, they're rallying. They're rallying for their captain. It's mm. like, oh, yeah. Just like Gandalf was saying about the, uh, the dwarves rallying behind their king. The cats just absolutely rallied behind Joel Salwood to make sure that he was able to celebrate in style and everyone, yeah, it was just a remarkable turnaround from a pretty dismal third quarter. I thought that third quarter, like Sam was, wasn't remarkably worse than in the first or second. It was just, I thought the cats looked a bit angry, aggro, mm-hmm. losing their cool a fair bit too often. Maybe that was from the Magpies fans. Maybe it was from the Magpies just outplaying them a bit. But whatever Chris Scott, whatever was said in that uh, three-quarter time huddle changed their complete attitude and everything that was going against them just turned. And it was um, a, a glorious sight to see. Like, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I wasn't thinking I would get close. I thought every time we'll get a couple of goals, Magpies were going to go down and get one, but it never happened. And it was, tell you what, the excitement just kept building and building. And yeah, it was just a, a roller coaster mm. of, a, of a game. I, I haven't felt that many emotions in one AFL game before. Um, it was joy, good fun at the start, bit of 
disappointment, bit of joy that we were leading at half time and then just dis- did a uh, absolute damn in the dumps after that third quarter. Going, oh shit, this is. We can't let Collingwood just slaughter us in such a big game for Joel Salwood, but that that wasn't going to happen. And yeah, it was a, yeah, like that fourth quarter was just awe inspiring for as a fan to watch that unfold like it did. It was, yeah, just fantastic to see every single player just lift so mm-hmm. much and do everything so well. Um, from the first bounce of that last quarter to the end, it was a joy to watch that happen. Yeah, it's it's funny you talk about the fans, Johnny, and 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 being a fan and watching, and you know the the roller coaster that we all go on. And there was plenty of tweets, um, and you know to the effect of, "Well, that's it for me. I think I'm done for the night." And I'm sure there would have been cat supporters who who left the ground early. I'm sure there were people who flicked off their TV or, or you know, went on with their night doing something else. Um, and as we said in our group chat, you know, we were sort of, we were looking at, okay, what positives can we get out? i I be honest, I wasn't really thinking four points. I was thinking, let's see if we can string a few together, find some form for next week because we've got Brisbane. Um, and... I, I tweeted it out and I said to you boys, this is why the players play and the fans watch because this team for 15 years has never switched off the game at three quarter time. They've never packed it in and they trusted the process, which is what I love the most that they struggled to find rhythm for basically the majority of the last two weeks. The whole Sydney game, they couldn't find it. Three quarters of this game, they couldn't find it. So seven out of eight quarters, they've really struggled. Um, but they've never reverted back into their shell. They've never gone back to that, let's slow it down and kick to kick. Um, they've kept persisting. And it paid off in that final term when everything clicked. Like... Um, Chris Scott apparently said to them in the huddle, according to Dangerfield, "Is like, well, can't play any worse." Um, was was the quote that came out, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a shot of Chris Scott in the box after I can't remember. It was one of the Cameron goals, I think, that put Geelong up, or maybe it was Brad Close. I can't remember. It was a goal that essentially put them up, and at that stage, it didn't look like we'd lose. And it was this look of, "See, I told you." It's yeah. like look when how- he held his hands up. Yes. Yep, exactly the shot. I it said was... the same thing to Loz. I said that wasn't a celebration. That was that was just him going. See, not that hard. <laughs> yeah, this it's, it was like this is everything we've been working on, and when you, and it will eventually come. And he knows what he's got. And I think that they're genuine when they say we've got we th- we're excited about what we can achieve. Um, how important was it to you guys? Like how inspiring was it to see this team keep at it? Because I think that's where that frustration came from was that oh, it's still not fucking working, but they didn't go backwards. They, they continued to push. How, how like, inspiring was that for you guys to see? Oh, um, just uh, basically all inspiring, really. It was just mm. knowing that they weren't going to revert back to control um, the ball, go kick to kick. It was, we're going to attack, we're going to trust. And as soon as that trust was put back into Hawkins and Jezza and Close and De Koning, Parfit, Dalhouse as well, um, 
it just, yeah, it was just absolute inspirational shit to watch. Like, that was just get out of your seat every five seconds as a player did something incredible to just wheel that ball forward. And, yeah, it was just, yeah, absolute pleasure to watch and witness, witness that from from on a TV screen to see a team fight as hard as they did to get that win. Yeah. Sambo, it wasn't just the the limelight players. Like obviously we can we can talk about and I'm sure these guys are going to be amongst the votes, you know, no spoilers intended, but Jeremy Cameron bangs through six snags. Tommy Stewart racks up almost 30 touches, five marks. Dangerfield, 25 touches, five marks, five tackles, five clearances, and a goal. Um, but in the fi- I will say, I'm pretty sure in that pregame show, I did say I had a feeling Jezza was going to kill bag. I, more. I remembered that. I remember you saying he was your, he was your pick. Absolutely. So you, you friggin' nailed that one. Um, Sam, like it wasn't just those players though. Like I went back and watched the highlights and, in all of those link-up plays, when I was cutting together the audio for that, it was Sam DeConing, Max Holmes, Tyson Stengel, Brad Close, Brandon Parfit. You know, young players at the club. Like, I think Parfit's still only 23, which is young. Um, they were all the ones who are in the link play. Like, how good is it to slap the their too old crowd in the face, even if it's probably not going to be acknowledged? They're still going to say we're too old. But how good was it to see all those young players stand up in that big moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And uh, just is my, can you hear this? Is my internet working? Yes, it's been, it dumped its bundle that. just 30 seconds ago. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> once again, once again, I had to, I had to play catch up. Uh, you know, that was, that was, it was really good. I'd, I'd add Dalhouse onto that as well. I think he made an, a vast and immediate in, um, impact on the game. Uh, maybe not statistically, but, just, I think, I think he should have been in that game from the from the start. Um, I've actually got Dalhouse's uh, stats if you want, because um, I, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting to look at. Dalhouse came on; he had what one quarter of action. He had, yeah, as they disappear from me, um, seven touches. Uh, yeah, seven disposals. Of course, they'd go away from me as soon as I want them. Seven disposals, <laughs> two marks, one tackle, two clearances, and a goal assist in one quarter of footy. It's yeah, that's that's pretty good for a guy that had been sitting on the bench for three quarters as well. It's not like that was you know, your fourth quarter might want to be a bit a bit better if you you'd played three quarters prior and warmed up. Um, but I thought his his mentality was uh, was really infectious for the for the squad as soon as he came on the field. Um. And the the other point um, is that I guess it, it's it goes towards that goes to the young players and that, but just going all the way back to to what you were saying about them not going backwards, Jake. In you know when going into their shell, it like evidence seems to indicate that the opposite was true that they actually played faster, looser, and riskier in the four in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, I was watching uh, a fair bit of coverage on it afterwards um, and several people pointed out how risky the center clearance, the center bounce tactics that Geelong employed in the fourth quarter were. Um, I don't know. Did you, did you see any of that in any of no, that coverage? I didn't see. No, no. Uh, 
Um, so they were, they were basically saying that Geelong players were peeling off. They were they were showing uh, showing visual of it of the Geelong players peeling off during the the center bounce before the bounce before the touch. So they were just assuming they were getting the ball. And basically, it's 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 Russian roulette because if Collingwood had won the hit out, they're now. 25 meters off their player because they've just made a dash and so both wings both wings Guthrie down on the on the broadcast side and I think it may have even been Parfit up on the up on the other side um I'm trying to think who that was but it was Guthrie was really the one they were looking at that as soon as the umpire sort of like the moment the ball was about to hit the hit the turf they just peeled off and they just went for runs um and basically what that did then was Collingwood had three players in the middle that were essentially useless once Geelong won the touchdown because they then smacked it forward or, you know, had a couple of link ups and they had two to four players. Mm. Completely like almost at the, at the forward 50. Um, so I, I think that's, yeah, I think that was a big, <laughs> a big, a big part of it. A big thing that sort of got us over the line there was just how fast and loose we played with tactics at the end there. And that, that, that maybe we could have been doing that earlier that we played catch up a little bit. With and I think Collingwood's structure were too good. We were trying to mark them. We were trying to close them out of the game, and win the ball, and then do our offensive tactics. Mm. But I think Collingwood's structure and their intensity was too high, and I think we should have been playing playing fire with fire from from the first quarter. What did you think, um, Johnny, in, in that last quarter, Max Holmes? Um, there's like many moments stood out, and I, I think it was AFL. Um, player ratings or something had Max Holmes rated as the highest rated Geelong player in the game, so that's that's just you know based on what he did with his touches, where he got them, all that sort of thing. He was rated as the highest player on the ground behind Scott Pendlebury, I believe. Um, but Holmes, like th- throwing his body in on the line, making tackles, winning footy. But the kick, you you probably know the one I'm talking about. I think it was Selwood who handed it off to him on, on the broadcast wing, and he just lanced through the Collingwood defense onto the chest of Mark Blixarves. This dude can play, Johnny. Absolutely can he play. Not only did he do a Joel Selwood-like bullet pass yeah. straight onto the chest, like I remember texting you guys it's straight after you go straight after it's like what a beautiful pass that was like you couldn't get any better like there was nothing no Collingwood player was going to be able to do about that even against any other defense no one's going to be able to stop that magnificent kick by Holmes but not only did he do that he also was saving goals in that last quarter by just putting his hand up Tapping the ball away from Collingwood players, laying a small tackle which just dislodged a ball, and then bouncing straight back up, wanting it again to move it forward. Like he's his hunger for that ball for the game is incredible, and the way he's just developed last year to this year is an amazing thing to watch to see. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be an absolute superstar for the Cats. He's fast. He's quick. Bullet pass, um, composed. Like not once did he look like he was going to freak out, being surrounded by fires or panic. He always looked like he was in complete control and knew what he was doing. And yeah, he's going to be a serious talent for the Cats. Well, that's something. 
that's something you couldn't say about him last year was it was the composure factor and sambo we commented mm. um when he was lining up for goal uh at a crucial moment and he, and he took his chance and put it through the big sticks he has a great night finishes with one goal 20 touches five tackles uh, a mark a clearance and a goal assist so so pretty massive night for him um but i also think that you look at players like mitch duncan uh you know who had 20 touches himself kicked a really neat goal six marks three tackles you look at stanley 17 disposals five marks two tackles 17 hitouts and four clearances even zach tui 16 touches three marks two goal assists he gained 453 meters on his 16 disposals which measured out at about 30 meters gained per disposal and if you look at the advanced stats on his disposal efficiency he was up at 81.3 percent so not only is he providing that threat of stretching the ground he's doing it at high efficiency is there anyone else that maybe you know isn't going to make your vote sambo but who stood out to you as a really key contributor or even just a couple you know who who, who, uh well um Jack Jack Henry played, I think, closer to his closer to what we expect from him this mm. week. I I still don't think it was his his best game. Um, I think, I think he we I'm still think of Henry. I still compare Henry to when he, um, had to step up for Stewart last year, and basically the world was on his shoulders, and he did remarkably well. Um, so to a certain degree, I feel like Henry's still finding how how he fits in that defense without being the defense without being <laughs> the, the, the whole thing um so some, sometimes i feel like after last year he's so used to getting 30 touches in the first friggin half yeah. that he's it, it, when it when it comes to and you know he's, he's going for touch 12 in, in in the in the third quarter he's he's like he hasn't quite it's like he's not warmed up to it i don't know it's, i might be reading too much into it but it just he still he seems a little stiff, like he's he's really thinking things through instead of acting on on instinct. Um, but I thought he really pulled it together. Um, I thought he he played a pretty solid game. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, as the as the first three quarters wore on, I thought he got more and more dependable. Reasonably quiet game for close. I I thought, but I like compared to I mean compared to the last week when he was. <laughs> He was the only one with a pulse. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was maybe not fair to say it was a quiet game for him. But I still thought, just I throw out a mention to him because I feel like he did some really nice stuff, and he's he's it's fast, still- beca- fast becoming one of those players that you just just know he's going to do the right thing when it comes to him. <laughs> still had some pretty crucial moments throughout the game. Yeah, well. absolutely. Those those again that that finish, the snap around the body was just like delightful and and confident like he is brimming with yes. confidence um just i think it's kind of and like... i feel like i feel like stengel and stengel and parfit also had some snaps so just a quick sidebar on that just mm. snaps for goal i don't think either of their snaps went through but it was good to, like I, I think that's still an element that we can bring into our game a bit more like i feel like most of our goals come from set shots um I wouldn't mind just a handful of, of crumbed goals. Like I feel like they kill us. They absolutely kill us when the opposition do it. And if we're going to play this faster style, I'd like to see just, you know, a couple to Stengel, you know, one to Rowan when he's in just, you know, 
Just a few, just a few that aren't set shot goals. <laughs> it'd be nice. It'd be lovely to see. Um, Stingle definitely tried to do that, but yes, just got a bit. I think it was a bit narrow, but it was yeah, still yeah. good to see him. And I, I think, I think, I think Stingle too had that thing where he, with his one, he suddenly realised how much time he had, and he, and he had the time to to really think about it and go, oh, shit. Um, but uh, yeah, so we can go, we can go back to close. But I just thought I'd mention I liked seeing a couple of attempts at, at at goals on the run just just i guess um like probably a good point in the episode to kind of like empty out the the mental notebooks like what are some other little topics you might want to hit before we you know get into votes and that sort of thing one thing i thought was really cool is just talking about jack henry um you know just if you look at the service level nine disposals um, not a lot of touches, but then you go, okay, he had five marks, three tackles, uh, 225 meters gain. And then you go a little bit deeper, um, 100% disposal efficiency on his nine oh. disposals. And another thing I like, 100% disposal efficiency for Jack Henry, 90.9% disposal efficiency for Jake Collajasny, 84.6 for Brad Close, 81.8 for Sam DeConing. Nice to see those young names like Deconin, Close, and Henry at the top of our mm. efficiency tree. Um, Johnny, anything, any other little bits in the mental notebook as we empty? I'll just just say as, again, I'll just toot my own horn yet again. <laughs> I did say to watch Sam <laughs> Deconin that night. <laughs> you did? I did. And he played, I thought he played a very solid game. Um, did some nice saves. In the first and second quarter, third quarter, like the whole team sort of not his best. But I thought so. I thought in that fourth quarter, like everyone else, he was instrumental mm. in a few plays. So I'll just tip my own horn about yeah. Sandy Tony. Okay. Well, if we're, if we're tooting horns, I mean, I mean, Toot. as far as as far as Toot deep, like. as far as deep analytical, you know, uh, <laughs> opinions on the game of football and, and some real, real, uh, crystal ball kind of shit what what was it that i said jake at three at three quarter time when you said what do we want to see in this in this final term i think you what said was seven, it? Do you... seven goals wasn't it i just said goals oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, what i you mean mean, <laughs> I mean was i wrong was i wrong <laughs> you were not, not wrong and and just going um, to uh sorry just wanted to build on your point johnny about sam deconing um that man is a Ford. I'm sorry, but that 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 dude's a Ford because I'm not saying he can't be a defender, and that's fine if they want to persist with that. But when he was moved forward, he gave off some of the best hand passes you would ever see. One, he set up uh, Cameron with a nice deep kick. Uh, two, he had several link-up handballs. And I know people will go, oh, well, it's just a link-up handball. There was a handball he gave, a looping handball perfectly to the run of Dahlhouse, um, who I believe mm. set up Cameron uh, from memory. That, dude, that dude is a Ford. And mm. I, I think that there's got to be a way to find, I mean, I've heard one theory floated from a very switched on um, Cats fan that we should be maybe considering... Radagalia in the Sam DeConing role down back and Sam DeConing 
in the Radagalia role, pinch hitting in the ruck and playing up forward. Don't know what you guys think about that, but if you want to have a quick chat about that one, what do you reckon? I, I, I think I, I like it. I think it, I think it's good. I think I think Big Rat could probably could probably play anywhere. I think the stuff that he needs to improve on in his game can be improved anywhere around the ground. Um, because it's really it's really just confidence for him. I think. And I think putting him in the defense, he can he can work on his confidence. I on the deconing thing, and deconing being a the fo- a forward. I think he is. It reminds me to get a little bit into the old crotchety dudes in in. I know who you're going. Who, who want to? <laughs> I think Olivia Barber is is what I wanted to bring up. Nice. Of. I think deconing just doesn't look happy in the in the defense. I think he's towing the line and doing his job, but he just doesn't look like he's like he's living his best life. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is this is some really out there stuff. This is not analytical, statistical it's stuff at all. But I felt the same about I felt the same about Barber when she was put in the ruck. I went, yes, she's tall. Yes, she can win some hit outs. She'll probably be pretty good at it. But she doesn't look at home. She doesn't look like she's loving it. And I think that's. I think a, a player can play in their non-preferred position for, you know, their entire career. And they'll probably, you know, play at 87% <laughs> proficiency. But I think if you can get them performing well and regularly in the in that spot that they just want to be in, I think it's worth a bit of, a bit of struggle to get them, you know, it's worth like in, in, the, in the cats, are, the cats are risking some things with this new style and all this mm there's going to be some games where deconing maybe doesn't find his feet, maybe doesn't kick any goals, maybe fumbles a lot of marks. But I think in the interest of two years from now, when he's had two, three, you know, two, two and a bit seasons under his belt, like if we're at, the, at the same time, like, and he, and two of those seasons, sorry, being up forward where he wants to be. Mm. Um, I think he could, I think he could be like one of the, one of the forwards in the comp. I really, I really do think he could be. Um, and he just, yeah, I don't know what you think, John, but I just think just looking at him, I was like, he doesn't look like he enjoys defense at all. It looks like he's, he looks like he's working, not, <laughs> not, you know, not, not playing. Thriving the, yeah. Not the way Tom Stewart does. Tom Stewart in defense looks like it's his kingdom. He's, he's fucking Mufasa in the, in, in the pride lands. <laughs> That's because it is his kingdom and he rules it with an iron. Yes. As so, uh, Saturday night. But yeah, um, on Sam DeConing, he definitely looked a lot more lively up forward in that last quarter, a lot more impactful. He was good in defence. Like he did some good stuff in defence, saved some good goals. But then in that third quarter, he sort of looked, as you're saying, he looked like he was working and not mm. enjoying it as much. Well, it, I guess you wouldn't be really be enjoying it if um, the ball was coming in that fast and that many goals were being <laughs> scored against you. <laughs> but yeah, um, as I said, what's to lose by moving him up forward is I don't think we're going to lose a whole lot in defence. We've still got a solid defensive line and I think we'll gain a fair bit going up him going up forward. So it's one that seemed to work. So why not do it again? It's a tough one because we're probably we are a Lockie Henderson short, really, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like a, another player who's capable of going one on one, who's who's you know a tall who can mark it, you know a, another guy who I think is is doing the team role, but at the minute doesn't look real 
um, comfortable or at home in his role is Zach Tui. Like I, I know I said, you know, he did contribute things, but you know, Tui playing up forward, um, still looks like he's working out exactly how to go about that. Like that's a pretty massive thing in terms of a positional change at the latter end mm. of your career to go from down in the back line to suddenly playing sort of more forward. Um, I did, I did, uh, I did listen to an interview with Tui today, and he spoke okay. spoke to that to that very thing. Um, basically, that he, I, I think that that forward is going to take will take him a, a little bit to really figure out exactly what he does up there. But he really likes the idea that his role now at this point in his career is to just be to be moved around. That he's basically not the player to be moved down back and save six goals and then move up forward and kick six goals. But he's the player to move down back because Tom Stewart and Jack Henry need help. And then he's the player to move up forward because Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins need help. Like he's not there to make a statistical mark Mm. on the sheet. He's there to basically be like the move around hype man, basically that to to bring his experience and his skills and his know-how to, to the individual areas and help the key defenders, the key midfielders and the key, key key forwards do their roles rather than move him up forward to be a, you know, a key forward or, or whatever. If, so in, in that respect, I think it's probably going to be really hard to um, to analyze whether or not he's being effective at it, because basically what he's saying is you, you won't necessarily be able to see what he's doing because it'll be the other players doing really well, that he's just trying to be a shadow and fit in there and, and support everyone. And that he's going to be moving around like, all, all across the game that that's his new and he's, he's quite happy doing that so it's going to be interesting to see what happens hmm. moving forward well that made sense on the stat sheet as i said he didn't have a, a shitload of the footy mm. or anything but he was effective with it and he did drive the attack he did set up he had the second most goal assists um for the cats you know he had the third most meters gained um you know so i i think a high disposal efficiency. I think there will be games probably where he does kick two or three. You know what I mean? He he might find space if the opposition shut down Hawkins and Cameron and Rowan or whoever, you know, that a two he might slot in and, and, and kick a couple of goals. Um, Johnny, anything else to get out of the mental notebook before we move on with votes? Um, just another inspirational game by the captain, Joel Selwood. Had a few mm. aggro moments in there, but lead from the front again and in that last quarter and I think throughout most of the game was just another classic Joel Selwood game leading the troops leading the troops home and the troops just absolutely following him all the way even if he did lose his temper a few times and chokehold someone and <laughs> I think I think I think Selwood got a little bit confused um and played it like because it was a milestone game I think he played it like it was the last game of the season <laughs> 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 he was going out to <laughs> going out in a blaze of glory. Um, I will I will say I did like uh, what Zach Tui said in that interview as well. He said um, the fans were getting a bit much in that third quarter, yeah, mm. feeling a bit of abuse and a bit of uh, sledging. And he's like, but it was good to see him leave at, with five minutes still left to go in the game. Well, that was good to see. Yeah, he said it, <laughs> he said it made made the victory all that that sweeter. much sweeter. Um, after all the 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 this booing and the sledging, um, I I That's a Collingwood thing to do, isn't it? Go, yeah. oh, lost. Let's go. The the last thing in in my mental notebook 
is leads off off what you've spoken about, Johnny. And I don't know how much of a can of worms this is opening and how much we want to get into it. But I feel like we should probably talk about the the uh, the reporting and yep. um, the match review uh, results, like the um, yeah the fines and and all that kind of stuff. I think we should touch on that. I don't reckon um, we need to get, like have like a, some massive spiderweb conversation about it, but, but I think we need to reiterate this podcast's stance on this sort of thing. So I, I, I give you yes. the floor because I think you can pretty much capture our our opinion on it. Well, I I mean, I'm, yeah, possibly. I I <laughs> I think what was it? Jordan Jordan Degoe got a did he did he cop a week or he was he a week? He cop a week for he this tackle on Dangerfield. And I, I think that's absolutely fine. I think that's Great. what that tackle was. I think textbook, uh, dangerous tackle, done, fine. Uh, they should probably just have an outstanding reporting of Dugowie every game. Like, just just say that the the umpires don't even have to report him. I think that I think the, the MRO should just should just review his performance every week because he's a piece of shit. And the uh, <laughs> but um so that that one's fine he shouldn't be playing the game at the moment he shouldn't be mm. playing the game he, he should probably be in prison somewhere <laughs> um but this is this is this is the world we live in and he's there and they should at least be slapping him with fines as, every week just as collingwood fans love to point out allegedly it's allegedly and and my point would be that's fantastic that it's allegedly but maybe as an organization i talk about this in the nfl as well if you don't know what the outcome is yet perhaps don't play him perhaps Mm-mm. put him on the point and technically te- again we said we don't get into getting oh, a spider conversation <laughs> but, but but allegedly there is stuff that happened there is charges that dropped but there is actual stuff that happened that he pleaded guilty to lesser charges um that he you know he has he was still you know he was still like guilt admitted to certain things that he did. And um, I think it was, was it aggravated? I don't even know if assault was the word. It's like aggravated harassment or something. He, he pleaded guilty to three, like three minor things basically. And the, and the big one was dropped. Uh, and there you go. So it is, it is allegedly, but it's <laughs> Selwood. <laughs> Selwood. Um, cop nothing. Was he not even reported for choking out? No, nothing, nothing that I've seen. Um, <laughs> that one, <laughs> that one, that one's interesting Potter. to me. That one, I, I, I was, I was adamant he was going to get a week. I'm very surprised. I think on on rewatching it, I think if he had been reported, it probably would have been a fine, um, because it was it was not in any way dealing anyone an injury. It was just to, for for me. It was it was unnecessary um it was you know it's a bad look for kids watching the game um especially when from my opinion probably what was going on was a lot of shit stirring kane corns was talking about this that they this player is the aggravator for collingwood he is the player that shit stirs and tries to get in get in the opposition's minds uh so of course you can't see that as a kid watching a game all you're seeing is the captain of the Dillon cats with his arm around someone's neck uh, not a good look for me. I think he, I think he should have copped a fine for that. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I think they should be drawing a harder line on that across the board. It's his milestone mm. game, but that's no excuse. Um, and then we have Atkins as well, who uh, wrestled, 
Like, yeah, re- wrestle, wrestle Dra- Drago Malfoy to the ground um, <laughs> and copped a... What, was it Was it $1,000? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. $1,500. Yeah, not enough. I think he... I think he... Uh, it should have been a bigger fine. I don't know. Do you guys think it should have been a week? I, I don't... I was... I... Sorry, you go, John. On the footage that we saw, it looked like it was fairly rough and how you how you doing um get away from our captain you piece of shit yeah it was it definitely looked pretty bad but maybe i'm guessing i haven't read the whole report but i'm guessing there was stuff like the footage maybe it was mm. made it look worse than what it was or there was perhaps physical contact mm. beforehand that was that was a point that i did want to make and I, I sort of forgot was this one like i'm going to reserve judgment a little bit because it's to the edge of frame when it happens as well like yeah from i'd like i'd like to think that what's happened here is is they've reviewed it and that there's context that we don't see but if that was the guy called joel selwood an unsavory word and walked off and against <laughs> did that in that world i think this probably should have been a bigger fine i don't know that it's a week but it was it was pretty excessive. Like it was pretty yeah. extended there. Like it's not like he gave him a good old shove, or even just threw him on the ground. He he shoved him, threw him on the ground, and then shoved him a few more times <laughs> into the <laughs> with I, his elbow. <laughs> I think I think my 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 just point and takeaway from all this, and and this ties into the the Will Smith slap for me. If we want to briefly wade in on this, <laughs> is we live in a really interesting time. Like a, 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 as far as you know violence and stuff on screen goes and what we're trying to um you know the examples we're trying to set for young men and it raises interesting questions um about things like retaliation you know a joke is said about someone's wife and someone goes up and smacks him with a you know big old molly wop of a slap um you know which i think is just that's an escalation of uh, of the issue so I go, you know, I look at that and it is a bad look. I agree. We love Joel Selwood. He's champion of the club, but it's a bad look. And it's not the first time that this sort of things happen. If he played for another team, we would probably have the opinion of Joel Selwood that other team supporters have of Joel Selwood. And that is, he is a great player, but there is this inclination sometimes to do these things. Um, my takeaway with the Adkins thing is... And the Selwood thing, it was pretty obvious that Jack Ginnivan and every team, or most teams, seem to have these players. Your Lockie Neal, or back in the day, Hayden Ballantyne and Ryan Crowley for the for the Dockers, whose job it is to wind other people up. And let's face it, that's not confined only to verbal jabs. That's confined to giving you a rib tickler every now and then at every stoppage. You know, a little kick here and there, a little shove here and there, a little punch or a, you know, scratch while you're on the bottom of a pack. So it's a tough one for me. And and hockey, you know, you've got enforcers in the NHL. Atkins essentially came in as the enforcer for the Cats and, you know, jumper punch the crap out of Ginevan on the bottom of the pack. Ginevan ended up with six touches for the night. Um, So not a big night for him. On his face. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a tough one for me because uh, because I don't think it's right. I don't think I think the chokehold was out of line, and I think you know probably the 
The jumper punches on the ground were probably out of line from Adkins too. But I also go, well, when are we going to step in and stop players doing this, you know, what we call tagging, which is basically a light assault of other team star players across the course of two and a half hours. Because the recourse that people talk about is, oh, well, you just got to play well and shut them up that way. Fair cop. Like, you are getting away with things as a tagger that you are not actually meant to be allowed to get away with. You get away with a lot of the dark arts of footy as a tagger that you just wouldn't get away with, you know, in other roles. So it's a fine line for me because they're never going to start finding taggers or introduce. I don't see how you get that out of the game. So. It's a tough one. The the Selwood one but to maybe, me maybe, looks and worse than Adkins. That's what I'll say. The uh, Selwood one's a weird one. It's really yeah. weird that he wasn't reported there, and there wasn't even like a fuss made. Did he just not? Did he literally not even realize he was hold like? Because that's what it looked like. Yeah, it looked like a you know like a kid when they were carrying their teddy bear around by the <laughs> neck. Like it just looked like he was yeah. like, "What's going on?" And like dragging. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. did he? Because he was talking to the umpire at the time, and mm. and 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 the player didn't even seem to give up that much of a like nah. of a like he didn't really seem to complain. He didn't kind nah. of go like what the like. So I don't again like I feel like there's context missing to that. Could be that um, <laughs> the comment player like whatever he's saying is Drake or Melfoot. Yeah, Drake could have also been playing on the uh, playing on it as well, like leaning forward into it. To try and make it look a lot worse than what it was. But yeah, I'm leaning forward to try and escape the tail that you're selling. Trying to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looked as it, 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 it was a bizarre one. And the Adkins one, I guess, maybe maybe the fine is fine. I definitely think that that, that in in respect to what you're saying, Jake, that, that they this is why they should be fines because it should be a knowing thing, maybe that a player is doing to put some money on the line. Fund fund the bloody AFL, uh, you know revenue revenue raising, um, and, and and a certain degree of it allowed within within the confines of the the rules as far as you know you're not going to get banned for it, but there'll be a there'll be a, a, a whack on the wrist. I I just don't believe so that play, so players not just pay the, players don't pay these fines in my opinion. And I'm sure people no. come out of the woodwork and say, yes, they do. Uh, bullshit. I reckon the clubs pay these fines. And I think you'd be happy enough to pay that one for Adkins. Um, mm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, They'll be going, yeah, fine. We're not going to contest this. But here's the money. And if the AFL want to then use that to help fund the the AFLW, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the other thing way. I would say, too, about the Adkins one, and then we'll move on with votes, is just that... He was kind of punished on the night. He he essentially gave yeah. away a goal in the moment. Selwood mm, gave away a goal. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wonder if maybe it was on another part of the ground, whether it, it, it could have been seen differently. Um, that's a possibility too. Yeah, that, it could have been that one thing. Well, it, it was a pretty brutal moment. Like I definitely think that that coloured the moment in my mind as well because not only did it look pretty rough and brutal and like seemed to come out of nowhere and also we thought it was Holmes at first on the replay so <laughs> that, that even made really it more like, extreme yeah. um but then the fact that it led to that double goal like it felt really brutal it mm. felt like a really dark moment and um yeah so maybe it's not maybe it's not that much of a big deal but 
I still struggle with the just just the relationship between Auskick and, and AFL and that like I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like at what yeah. point is this happening? At what point yeah. are kids transferring from oh, we're having fun on Saturdays to I'm gonna beat your head into the ground because you said something. What um, doesn't and take again, long. I don't know what was said or no, especially when it's when it's kind of I don't know, like the the general vibe in AFL media about it too is kind of like ah eh, mm. like it's you know. I boys will be boys. You gotta love it, and kind of like I'm kind of. I guess I'm just like, oh, that's fine if that's what it is. But, um, I guess I'm saying I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Absolutely, it's hard one because he definitely. Yeah, from the footage I saw or replay I saw, he definitely went up to Joel Selwood, said something, shoved him in the chest and in the face, sort of saying, you know, you're stuffing this up for your team and all that. Maybe Atkins. Mm. Obviously heard that and White Line Fever got the best of him and just it's like stand up for the captain and I'm gonna deck this little shit yeah. and give him a few taps in around the chin. I'm trying to I'm yeah, I am trying to be dipl- diplomatic about it as well because I know I have a tendency not to give a shit because it's Collingwood and <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the one I know I know like not so long ago I would have been like, Yeah, get him. There's um, a whole I'm, I'm trying to have a bit of maturity here. There's a whole off-season no, podcast to be done about just the dynamic of sport and the culture of sport. I watched Celtic and Rangers last night, and we had Rangers fans throwing broken glass bottles at the goalkeeper and coins at Celtic players when they were taking free kicks. And you've got 700 Celtic fans surrounded by, you know, 100 police officers in order to stop fights. It's Sport still exists in a really weird place. Particularly, I'll say... Imagine, imagine if Will Smith did what Adkins did to Chris Rock. <laughs> the context, <laughs> like, the context, and like, imagine, like it's just, a, it's a weird, weird. Yeah, it, it's the yeah. environments, I guess, and 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 like, it is a, it is a very, it's something that is definitely prevalent in in men's sport. I would say I've never been to a a, a women's sports game, and thought, mm, violence could kick off here. You know, I've always felt very comfortable in crowds, you know, watching women's sport, going along to roller derby. There's a different energy. I have personally felt, um, you know, going along to the, the AFL men's, you know, or a local, you know, footy game or a soccer game. I don't know if there's just an energy um, that, that I haven't yet experienced at, at the women's footy or at women's sport. Let's move on with some yeah. votes, chaps, and, and cl- close. Also, it's also a different vibe at cricket because everyone's asleep. Yeah, that's oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close out with some votes. I am we all love gi- cricket. Give God, one Johnny vote. Johnny comes in with, keep cricket out of your damn mouth. That's right. <laughs> keep <laughs> cricket out of your damn mouth. <laughs> Fucking mouth. I am going to give <laughs> will. one vote to Tom Stewart. Uh, we already mentioned, you know, he just had another Tom Stewart kind of night. I'm going to give two votes to Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, I thought Danger had a busier first half, but to me that was what was impressive was because that was when we were getting done. And he was one of those lights that really kept us in the hunt. Um in the first half, I'm giving three votes. It was the only one person I felt like I could give it to. Is that Jeremy Cameron with his half dozen goals up forward? Sambo, where are you going? Uh, largely similar people with uh, with one change. I'm giving one vote to Tommy Stewart as well. One vote to T Stewart. 
and being uh, two votes to Jeremy Cameron. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm giving the the three the three votes to the obvious choice. Oh, nice to Joel Salwell. I feel I feel like of the three of us, I'm the least likely to to give Salwood votes. Sometimes mm. I take him for granted, and it was a momentous occasion, of course. But I think it was I I would hazard without having even batted an eye at statistics. I would hazard that that was a pretty big statistical game for him uh, in comparison to, I guess, how his role has been lately, where, as we've said prior, he doesn't always have to be the the champion, the gladiator in the middle of the ground. He can just be the captain. I thought last night he really stood up several, several times. Um, and as we would expect, put his fucking body on the line sometimes under those packs, mm. just diving for things just getting any any body part if he could if he could have helped get that goal into the 50 with his genitals he would have <laughs> he, he, could, he could have slapped it forward if that's all he if he both hands and feet were, were held he would have he would have used his 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 manhood to get that ball forward up the ground uh so, and that is why Joel Selwood gets the three votes. I love nice. it. Um, I said genitals and manhood. It could have been worse. Not tallywhacker or something. Um, Johnny, yeah. what are you, where, where are you going? Hog. You right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going one vote, T. Stewart. One vote to T. Stewart. He gets three votes, but in ones. He All gets right, the yep. minor hat trick. <laughs> the minor cool. hat trick. Though. Two right. votes. It's a tough one, but. I'm going to give it to Jezza Cameron. Two votes to Jezza Cameron. And I'm also going to give my three votes to Joel Salwood. Oh, the captain gets the love. I didn't even have any of my votes. I feel like an asshole. Like Salwood, by Salwood was just awe-inspiring, a true captain's game. Um, Nothing but just supreme leadership from that. First bounce of that last mm. quarter to the very end. I loved. I'd, I'd love Nathan Buckley, and this is. I'm going to show my one-eyed support. In it. <laughs> Nathan Buckley during the broadcast was like, "Oh, you know, yeah, he's a he's a great. He really reminds me of Michael Voss." Get fucked, Nathan. <laughs> Get <laughs> fucked with your with your my, Oh yeah, Joel Salwood's almost as good as Michael Voss. Get yeah, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. Joel Salwood reminds me of. Joel Salwood. Joel Salwood. That's, That's right. right. One of a kind. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's. Well, we announced last week our dalliances with other teams and interest in other teams are over. I, I made the declaration. It's gone. Yeah. It's, it's gone. It's all cats from here on out. Um, so that means Joel Salwood takes the lead. Ooh. He is the only player to poll in every week so far. He's got 11 <laughs> votes. So far this season, uh, 10 for Patrick Dangerfield in second, seven for Jeremy Cameron in third, six for Brad Close in fourth, and a tie for fifth place between Brandon Parfitt and Tom Stewart, who each have five. So that's your MVP. You chaps ready to whip mm. through some fantasy? Oh, I should mention too, we had a uh, an email from Foxy um, who just wanted to... Get... What does the fox say? Um, I just wanted to get his feedback on, on the players. He thought Tom Stewart, brilliant, led the back line, marshaled the troops, particularly in that last quarter, to stop the Pies from scoring anything more than a behind. 
What about Sam De Koning's game up forward in the fourth? Uh, counted at least three score involvements, brought the same composure, composure that he had down back for three quarters up forward. Max Holmes, hasn't he grown before our eyes, still showing composure down back and being the link for defense to midfield. Classy kick too. Great runner. And Jezza Cameron, match winner in the end with six goals. So we thank you, Foxy, for always submitting some thoughts uh, to the Chaps Chat Cats. If anyone else wants to, it's the Chaps Chat Cats at gmail.com. Foxy, you're a dead Please set do. fucking legend. Uh, let's get into... Um, yes? Any votes from the listeners? No. Not this week that I could see, unless I've forgotten them. If I have, I'll, I'll troll Twitter again and see in case I've missed them. But... um. It's been a big week. Twitter, you haven't dropped the ball, and I'm sorry. But it's if been... you had, hadn't pulled your votes, then you fucking dropped the ball. All right, we've got to get on to fantasy. This is bloating out. It's bloating <laughs> out, John. It's got a severe case of bloat here. It's you, just, knew it it's, you knew it would. It's blowing out the back end. Um, <laughs> Tommy, uh, Sambo, Sambo, Johnny, this was a crazy week in fantasy. Everyone scored in excess of a hundred. Who fucking won? Just tell us. Just, <laughs> in excess got, of a hundred ninety votes. I won again. <laughs> <laughs> Play the uh, outro. Where's the song? Jeremy Cameron may have won it. Roll it. Yeah, roll the song. <laughs> Do you want to roll it? We done? Do you want to roll it? Do we no. need it? No, all right. No, just um, tell, tell, tell us what happened. All right. Just so, just, it's like Sam, a band aid. Rip it off quick. All right. Sambo scored 194 and a half points. Uh, best players. Reese Stanley, 47 and a half points. Tommy Stewart with 47. Max Holmes with 40. They were your top three scorers. Jo Johnny in second place with 205. Johnny's top scorer was the top scorer of the round. Jezza Cameron, 70 points on his own. 49 for Brandon Parfitt and 46 for Mitch Duncan. I went 212 and a half. Cam Guthrie, 54 points. Dangerfield, 49. Selwood, 41. The midfield engine room getting it done. So very close week. To update you on the standings, I'm out in first place on 643.5. John is in second place, 75.5 points back on 568. 78.5 points back is Sambo on 489.5. But let's be warned here, chaps. Sambo's score through three games has been 134 and a half, 160 and a half, 194 and a half. He's getting up by 30 points each week, and he has Gary Rowan and Sam Menegola to come back into his lineup. So beware of the Sambo. Yeah. It's a long season. Um, that'll about do it for us here at the Chaps. You can. Listen to us anywhere you listen to. We, are we? Are we doing the? Are we? Is John whipping out the tips or not anymore? Is, no, are, are we not too many tips to go through? It's like a hundred. Well, you just you just say how we did. No one gives a shit about anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you get, John? What what tips did you uh, get? Six. Me too. Oh, nice. I think What'd I got Jake? six too. I think we all hey, had a six weeks. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. John, <laughs> find out. <laughs> oh, I won't be able to find it, John, because I have no idea where he's placed on the ladder. You can pack, pack, think, pack the files. I think I was about 67 or something out of 120, 130 people. Um, you can number. go over and watch our video content on YouTube. The Chap Chat Cats on YouTube this Wednesday will continue 
Our AFLW Wheel of Grade series, giving a letter grade to every player who pulled on the hoops for the Cats AFLW team in 2022. Uh, go and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, both of those. You can give us a five-star rating. Helps us climb the metrics table. Oh, big week. We'll be back. Big week. Also, we'll be back on Friday night with a live pregame show before the Lions. Pre-game. Scummy Post Lions. First home game. Woohoo! Can't oh, wait. First real home game. Go Cats! Go Cats! Go Cats!